we need to push harder because we know it can be done. At one point, I thought like, okay, we're developing our products, eh? make bio-based composites. And what if we have a product that would be as cheap and as good as the conventional product? Then I'm in business. Yeah. And we did. We made a product that was as cheap and as good or even better. This is the Gibble podcast. Every episode, I talk to persons that shine a new light on our built environment. I'm Jessica, editor of Get Inspired by Light magazine. Get Inspired by Light is an initiative of Trilux. Today my guest is engineer Mark Lepelaar, one of the founders of MPSP. With a team of engineers, he researches and creates biocomposite materials. How can we realize this materials transition and move away from fossil fuel materials and ores, such as plastic and aluminum? I'm uh, Mark Leplaar, one of the founders and owners of MPSP. We are active in biocomposite materials. We do material research, we do product development, product engineering, shift service, eh, going from aluminium to biocomposite, or eh, we help our customers. Uh, we do demonstration projects and we uh, want to uh, bring uh, yeah, serial products to the market. And I'm responsible for the product uh, development and engineering. Okay. And how long have you been in this uh, in the building sector? Well, I've been active in biocomposites since 2003, and we started pretty fast in the building sector. I, I cannot put the exact date on it, but yeah, I would say uh, about since uh, 2005. And before that, I was working in uh, sustainable energy, solar, uh, so building integration of solar systems. Personally, I'm uh, yeah, active in the building sector since 1998. Okay, uh, 2003 sounds pretty early on for bio-based materials. For mm-hmm. me, it sounds like a uh, like a concept that's been emerging the last couple of years, like or or booming, especially with the transition to circular uh, mm-hmm. circular economy. Is it really different now from the early days? Were you one of the first? Like early adopters? Yeah, I would like to think so, yeah. Uh, Especially, or or at least in the Netherlands. So, uh, And we're talking about bio-based engineered materials, uh, because uh, wood, of course, uh, or or grass or something like that. Humankind has been using bio-based materials since the start. The biocomposites, it's pretty new on one hand. On the other hand, uh, we have lots of examples of uh, parts of the Spitfire from the Second World War made out of biocomposites. The RAF uh, fighter plane in the Second World War. Um, and uh, the Trabant uh, company used uh, biocomposites to build their uh, their body parts of the cars. Uh, Henry Ford has been using biocomposites, so it's not a new it's not a new concept. Thing. And actually, the the first uh, plastics were were bio based. Uh, and later on, they've been making it out of uh, crude oil uh, to make uh, yeah to have more efficient production processes. But before that. Uh, it was bio-based. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and Bakelite has, has bio-based content as well. So we've been going from a bio-based, bio-based industry to oil and gas industry to yeah, going back of, to the bio-based. Yeah, yeah it's like with, with cars, eh? they made electrical cars and then uh, went to, to, to petrol cars and now they try to make shift back again. Oh, yeah, exactly. I think the first Mercedes was electrical. Well, Let's not get too deep into that. The concept is not not new, but the way we handle it and do it is 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 new, and uh, we all sort of reintroduce it. 
uh, and make it a modern material to be used in modern uh, products. Yeah. So you say you've been in the solar energy uh, bus- business or industry at first. Mm-hmm. And can you remember the first time you were captivated by bio-based materials and that you made the shift? Was there a specific uh, mm, yeah, moment or time you remember? Yeah, so uh, one time we I came into touch of a friend of a friend of mine and he was uh, into sailing boats and they built a sailing boat out of uh, out of flax. And I knew the company in a sort of subconsciousness uh, because they built uh, the first solar racing car that won in Australia. Uh, which the was fastest not, car in the... Yeah, the, the solar racer, yeah. Nuna One, it's called. Uh, and they won at that time and it was built by this company. And of course, I was in a solar business, so I knew this car. And I thought at that time, why are we, so my previous uh, work, not involved in this project because it's a cool project. So I knew them a little bit. Then later on, I learned they make sailing boats out of uh, flax, or, uh, most others. Uh, so I was triggered by that. So I uh, yeah got involved in this company, and then we thought like, well, our sailing boats is uh, yeah at that time not a perfect business. So we thought like, can we use this technology also for other products? And as a product designer, I yeah thought it was nice to get into that. Uh, and uh, um, I was related one way uh, to to the or related, but I was already active in the building sector. So from there on, we moved on to try to make parts for the building sector as well. And yeah. then yeah, from one thing came the other. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious, when did the topic of sustainability and circularity first really got introduced in your in your own personal life? I remember I was in uh, college learning to become an industrial designer. And I was in a college about uh, new strategies of selling more coffee-making machines. And then I felt sort of useless, like, okay, I already have a lot of really good coffee machines, so why do we need to make more coffee machines? Which, of course, uh, I know uh, you can can make better or more efficient coffee machines or whatever, so there still is. But for me personally, it felt like not a very useful thing to do, so I'm not really a designer in that manner. Designers always seek to find better and nicer solutions, and can we do it differently? Or for me, that was like I want to make new products, but to make it more efficient would be yeah, more fulfilling for me, adding something to humankind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you like. Yeah. Okay, and now you're a guest lecturer as well on the Delft Institute of Technology. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what do you see in the, these students? Do you see, for instance, a difference in attitudes also towards like sustainable building mm. from your own own generation? Yeah, at my time it was already an issue, but it was also a bit of a. Uh, I think it's now much more integrated also within the institution, eh? so within uh, TU Delft. So at that time, we, yeah, it was not uh, mainstream part so there were there was a first professor starting in my uh, study at that time and now it's an integrated part of professorships you know, research groups they talk about strategy strategic uh, business development or about construction or about design it's all integrated uh, more in in it and uh, so all students they yeah even if they don't have a personal drive then still they they know it's an important factor to to take care of. Okay, so and yeah, we we touched uh, on the history of bio-based materials for uh, a little bit. Uh, I would yeah. like to maybe elaborate on it a bit mm-hmm. further. So you say humankind has, has been using well yeah. bio-based materials 
before the discovery of crude oil and and all these things mm -hmm. of course yeah can you maybe tell me a bit more about it like what maybe we tried like a timeline or yeah so uh, i don't know exactly the history of humankind and barbarous <laughs> humans, I must say. That's maybe also a bit no, too but, but, uh, of course uh, you know old old or traditional building methods uh, you still see it applied sometimes in the poorer areas rural areas in africa for instance where they make uh don't know the exact english word but use mud in combination with straw for instance uh, as a building material which is a uh, biocomposite as well well the mud not necessarily but the straw is so uh, they 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 worked with composites. Uh, uh, composites were used by the Egyptians uh, to make paper. Paper is a composite, uh, in fact. Uh, so the papyrus and uh, so there are lots of examples to be found already where people started to mix different materials with different properties to get a new material with new properties. Um, so this trial and error has been there a long time. Um, well, and you can of course use uh, the wood, and, and now we are working more to uh, to engineered uh, yeah, biomaterials. Eh? So, for instance, uh, we always or often say, eh, if you can use wood, you should use wood. But if you cannot use wood, or wood's not very efficient, or there's a, uh, some functional problem by using wood, then you may think about using biocomposites uh, to optimize. Uh, the, the function of the product. Yeah, you say if you can use wood, you should use wood. Uh, why is that? Is that because of its properties or? Yeah, so so wood is a really nice material, eh? so you can make beautiful furniture, buildings, bridges, uh, you name it. So there's a lot of uh, good examples uh, of uh, uh, ancient uh, Japanese uh, temples you can make, etc. Uh, so wood is a very nice material. Uh, but there are some disadvantages, not too many. Uh, also, uh, if you use one kilo of uh, local wood, it's always it's uh, environmentally friendlier than than biocomposites, or or some biocomposites, or the most common biocomposites. Um, but yeah, if you need ten kilos of wood to to cover a function, uh, and you need only uh, fifty grams of biocomposite, then of course it may be useful to use the biocomposite. So, but it should also always be a rational, uh, rational choice, and so you can calculate what's wise to use. Oh, exactly. When I think of wood, I think of all the deforestation in Brazil and. Yeah, but that's also a management problem. Eh? So uh, there's a lot of wood in the world, uh, but you can look for that one tree with the perfect properties and go for that one and have a, a bad uh, forest management and then you have deforestation that's true yeah so i, I think it's more of a, of a uh, management problem yeah not according to fsc rules or yeah and there, there there are also alternatives to wood from the rainforest or yeah so there are problems uh, because one is of course uh, the the deforestation uh, thing if you do not manage it properly and of course in lots of areas it is not managed properly uh, and uh, on the other hand uh, yeah it, it takes a lot of time to grow a tree and that's also with the, the biomass discussion that you grow a tree it takes like 50 years and then you burn it and then uh, you have to wait for another 50 years to take up the CO2 again, uh, to have this loop closed, etc. Uh, with us, it's the other way around. So we work with fast-growing materials, uh, once or even more uh, harvests uh, a year. Uh, and then we make a product that lasts for like 20 or 50 years. Uh, and even if you burn it afterwards, if you cannot recycle it, uh, in some cases you can't, in some cases you can. 
uh, then um, yeah, we turned it around. Uh, so we have a CO2 sink. Can you can you tell me a bit more about the research process of uh, researching new biocomposites? How does it work in a nutshell? How do you how does it work in a lab? Or yeah, we we have two typical approaches. One is that you start with a resource. So, for instance, you have very nice flax fibers or a typical waste stream, like an agricultural waste stream or a sewage waste stream or materials like that, uh, which are bio-based. And then you think about how can I make a material out of this with certain properties. Uh, that's one approach. So you start with the resource. The other approach is you start with the material you already have and you try to improve the properties. And so we are now working on making the biocomposite products uh, cheaper, lighter, longer lasting, better impact resistant, these features. So we try to improve them. And sometimes we get, yeah, people ask us, we have a waste stream, can you make a material out of it so we can make products out of it? There the are two, two approaches. And then, um, yeah, we are in the composite business, eh? so we always have a fiber and a binder. Uh, and additives. So we look at what are the properties of the resource or the end product and then what is a typical production technique that comes along with that. Then we see how we can process the materials. A nice story is that we, for instance, a lot of bio-based resins, they have water as a solvent, which is on one hand, it's a good thing because uh, yeah, water is pretty harmless eh? and it's not vaporized uh, quickly or non-toxic property. But on the other hand, a lot of biocomposites or bioresins or binder systems are less reactive than uh, synthetic ones. So we need to use a lot of, of more force or higher temperature, often more than 100 degrees, to make it set and cure, which means that the water will vaporize during production. Yeah, then you have a lot of water in your system under high pressure, so that's complicated in your production uh, technique. And that's a typical point of research where we are looking or searching for solutions to make products with really good properties and nice services, controllable features in a safe production process. Okay. Especially in the building industry, there's there's a lot of rules and regulations and, and certificates for buildings to match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be fire safe. Or, exactly, yeah. fire safe. It needs to be mm-hmm. for the building needs to be I mean, sturdy for earthquakes or it needs to be yeah. uh, standing up for a couple of mm-hmm. years. Um, is that um, a complicating factor also in the biocomposite research? That what, How to make the step from the lab to no, well, buildings in the real world or as a material that can yeah. be used in? Well, uh, but it also gives a, a framework within which you have to work. Eh? So uh, we know that if we build, uh, we make something for a building, that uh, if it's uh, part of the construction of the building, we need to make it fire safe. And eh? so we, we know that. And we know there are different demands and uh, the higher the fire safety. Yeah, so, so it's always part of the deal. What is complicated is that often these tests to go to certification uh, are pretty are expensive and time consuming. So... Uh, it's not easy if you also, uh, especially if you work with circular materials and waste-based materials, to get certification for all new mixers you make. Huh? So you cannot, you're, you're less free to mix. On the other hand, if you want to have a controlled production process, you need to freeze the versions of the materials you put to the market. Yeah, you cannot experiment endlessly. And the function or specifications of the material, which are material-based, huh? like fire safety, is often yeah, for a large part, depending on the material you use. But on the other hand, it's also about 
engineering. Eh? So, for instance, a facade panel, it may not blow away, but you know how strong or stiff a material is. Eh? So we characterize all the materials we develop. So we know how strong it is, how stiff it is, how, what the impact resistance is, what the aging behavior is, etc. And then we see, okay, what do we need with this material, uh, to do with this material, to make a good product out of it. So how thick should it be? Should it be coated? Should it be treated? Should it be whatever is needed to make the product function? And so often people say to me like, okay, you have a natural material, bio-based material. It's not a very good idea to make a facade out of it because it will become wet and uh, it may start rotting, etc. But I always say like, okay, but then we wouldn't make cars out of metal because metal rusts. And uh, we wouldn't make ships out of metal, uh, but we do. And how can we do it? Because we coat the materials, uh, so we have a post-treatment of the material to make it suitable for the function. Oh, that's a good example, actually. Yeah, so we can also treat biocomposites to make it work. The game is, of course, uh, can we make a product that fulfills all requirements that is competitive? Uh, so we can always solve all problems, whatever need is needed. But it all has effects, of course, on environmentally uh, the environmental impact of uh, one point, but also on the cost. Yeah. Hello. Did you know you can see and read more on Mark Lepelaar and NPSP on getinspiredbylight.com? Enjoy the rest of the conversation with Mark. When you look at a house, could you design a house completely full of, made out of bio-based materials? Is that possible? Not not using any steel or concrete? Mm, yeah, I think you would come a long way. Although glass is not very easy to replace by uh, bio-based material. So there are bio-based plastics which are clear, but then they lose clarity over time. So there's quite some aging there. So... Yeah, glass is not easy to, to beat, but there are, of course, uh, bolts, nuts, screws, electronic lighting. We cannot easily change for other materials. What is important, I think, is that you also optimize the use of the material. So, for example, aluminium is used a lot in buildings, not necessarily uh, on places where you need a lightweight solution or where it has to conduct material uh, electricity or things like that. Uh, so it's often used because it's available. It's, some, uh, it's a material people know and yeah, have been used. Yeah, know it. You don't have to paint it, so it's uh, it's nice. Easy uh, at it's hand. E easy at hand, uh, etc. And then I think like we have energy transition to make, and therefore we need a lot of metals. Let's not use metals where you don't really need them. So we can make window frames out of wood or biocomposite or any other or lots of alternatives. So and I think for for uh, houses you would yeah except for the glass uh, maybe. And, what uh, would make the biggest impact? And for instance, if, ah. if you replace your insulation with yeah, flags so you or with well, something I think else, or I always would say that the the, the CO2 impact of aluminium is very high, for instance. So we can easily, even with suboptimal construction, lower CO2 footprint of the of the products uh, if you s switch from aluminium to to composite or biocomposite. Isolation, and there's uh, the big uh, isolation factory. It's one of the biggest uh, nitrogen polluters in the Netherlands. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, the, the rock wall uh, factory. Uh, but of course, uh, isolation is needed to uh, to isolate homes and have uh, energy efficient solutions. But there you can there are bio based solutions as well. Although the weight in kilos is not that high, of uh, the rock wall is also not very heavy or not that heavy. But yeah, still there's a lot. Of, there are also a big uh, impact there. 
And on the other hand, what you also should take into account that if you grow materials, so if you don't, if you yeah, if you take it from agriculture, there's an environmental load, of course, as well. Yeah, and so you uh, you, you said you started off somewhere around 2003 in this mm-hmm. uh, in this industry. Have you seen it? If you compare it to nowadays, have you seen it change a lot? At the early days, there was not so much attention for material as is now. Eh? So there's a lot more attention for if you talk about sustainability. At that time, uh, it was mainly uh, energy efficiency and, uh, and uh, solar panels and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, the realization that you should think about materials is also... Uh, eh? So even uh, nowadays with the most energy efficient buildings that the energy consumes, consumption of the building is now more in the materials used than in exploiting or using the building. So that's also good to take into account. Uh, so there's more attention for materials. If you talk about sustainability... If you look at the use of bio-based materials, yeah, well, the building sector is also pretty conservative. Right? There are lots of other large interests which have to be defended, of course. So I think that the, the time is right that we prove that it can be done and that there's a need for a bit stricter regulation as well to speed things up. Yeah, and if you would name, uh, other than wood, one or two materials that have very big potential to use... Mm-hmm. Which would that be? We use a lot of hemp fibers or bamboo or flax. or. Uh, what can you use it for? Uh, we use it as reinforcement in our composite set. So we, uh, we use it as reinforcement, but you can also use it as isolation material, for instance. Yeah, bamboo, you can do cross-lamination as well. So there are lots of uh, applications uh, thinkable. Um, and these are cultivated, which is also a nice alternative for, Farmers who look for new business models uh, instead of a lot of cattle, maybe. Yeah, that's a different uh, issue. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Um, but yeah, but that's also now, at, as we speak, being propagated and uh, landing uh, in uh, politics as well to think about these concepts. Uh. Yeah, oh, and you say it was you use it mainly for reinforcement. Yeah. Is, what does that mean? Well, the binder we use are often plastics uh, from the plastics family. And uh, yeah, you know that a pen is a nice object, but you cannot build a house out of a pen. It wouldn't be strong enough. You need uh, stronger materials. So we use the fibers to make the plastic binder stronger. That's why we call it reinforcement. Yeah, and can you describe how strong it would be? Like what? how many kilos can it bear? Ooh, how do you, yeah. if you have to explain uh, it? Well, for instance, we can make strips uh, which are 50 millimeters wide, or three millimeter thick, strong enough to pick up a car. Yeah, so the composites, but it's also a big container word. Eh? So we have lots of different properties within one family of materials. And so we, as I said, we make products out of toilet paper or waste fibers from agriculture. They tend to be not that strong. Eh? They're pretty strong, but not very strong. Uh, stronger than plastic, but less strong than metal. You can make very nice, beautiful flax fibers, uh, optimally prepared, uh, which already starts at the farmer, how he's growing the product up until to the whole value chain. And we make uh, perfect products. Uh, so, for instance, we made a hemp scooter. A hemp a, scooter? Yeah, it's uh, behind you. Uh, <laughs> so, it's made out of hemp uh, with a binder. Uh, it's a monocoque uh, structure. So, we made a structure we can make in composite but not so easy a metal or or wood and it's a very strong structure it's durable and everything has the same properties as a regular scooter it has better of. properties than better. a regular scooter yeah it's a bio-based scooter yeah so oh, once it crashed into a car by accident uh, oh. in the demonstration <laughs> uh, 
the police car also. <laughs> the car had like thousands of euros of damage and our scooter had only one part was damaged and it was a metal part. Oh, so it has about that one is yeah. stronger properties than regular no, metal, not, not necessarily. If you look at the material itself, it's not as strong as metal, but you can beat aluminium, and so aluminium can be beaten. It's also better in stiffness than in strength, and so how, how stiff it is. And if you make a monocoque structure, uh, so you use the, the shaping possibilities you have with this material to, in the industrial metal uh, way, is that you can optimize construction as well and make very strong construction. Yeah. I yeah. saw MPSP, your company, for the first time uh, in the, the Exploded View, the House mm -hmm. of the Future, was yeah. a project. It was on the Dutch Furiat uh, last year, 2022, and it's it's part of different initiatives, right? Or the Exploded View. Yeah, it started on the Dutch Design Week, 2021. We made a one-to-one -one, uh, piece and then moved over to the Floriat Spring uh, 22. It started on the Floriat. And now I think it's traveling. It's now in Belgium. Okay. Can you tell me something about the project, what it is? It's sort of an art project statement or demonstration project, if you like. Yeah, it's a very good demonstration project, I think, because of this way of looking at it as a statement. So it's a nice design, uh, strict ideas, uh, and that it should everything should be bio-based and things like that. And also they looked at the aesthetics, uh, so to present it in a nice uh, way. So the uh, whole house, was, it was like a wooden house, if you saw it from the outside as a structure? Yeah. yeah. Um, and right. you could walk through it and you yeah. could see all kinds of different parts of a house. It's a bit of a pavilion, really. A yeah, pavilion. It looks, uh, look, looking like a house. Uh, yeah, yeah, a pavilion made out of completely bio-based Yeah, there were some materials. Uh, the glass, again, yeah, was, I think, not bio-based. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there were some metal parts as well, but most of it uh, was uh, was bio-based. From and different uh, And from uh, lots of different companies, so you had... Uh, so different solutions for the outer, for the facades, different solutions for uh, the construction, different solutions for the uh, finishing on the interior. Uh, so there were lo lots of uh, different, uh, yeah, demonstrations for the roof, uh, for the kitchen, for the toilet, for the bedroom. So the, there were lots of different solutions for different issues. Yeah. Uh, to really show the richness of all the bio-based solutions to be found. Yeah, and. You showed a facade made out of bio-based materials, right? Yeah, biocomposites. Yeah. Uh, so there are different themes in the facades as well. And this uh, facade has, had as a theme uh, the water cycle or, or water. So we decided to make a facade panel using lots of resources from the water cycle. So from the water boards, if you want. Uh, so we used uh, decalcination uh, chalk as a filler. We used reed, uh, which is uh, in uh, surface water maintenance to take it away. We used toilet paper, fiber, and we used pigments from, uh, yeah, taken from the water. And then we make a mix out of it. We make kind of dough, and then we uh, hot press it in the press, and then uh, we have a product. Yeah, it was a, a bluish uh, facade, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. If you would compare this bio-based facade material to conventional facade, what are the pros? What are the pros? Well, we have a far lower carbon footprint than some materials. Eh? So then, um, for instance, aluminium, as I introduced before, or some stone-like materials or concrete or cement-based uh, things. Compared to wood, is that we have, uh, yeah, we can make products that last very long without maintenance. What we can also do is make shaped parts. If we shape a part, we can make, like I said, with the scooter already, yeah? so if we make things double-bended or have a certain shape, we can add functionality and strength 
two apart, so we need less material or less parts. Okay, yeah. So, so we can optimize it functionally. Yeah, so it's different from, like, yeah, for instance, stone, where you just have to... Yeah, so we have a moldable uh, yeah. engineer to be engineered material, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, we think now about creating shapes, stimulate nature inclusiveness as well. So what does that mean, nature inclusiveness? So that it's, it supports nature, so plants can grow in or on it, oh, birds right. and bees and bats can live in it. In, for instance, outer walls and facades yeah oh that's cool yeah so we make smart walls and facades so we hope that nature is in balance with the with the product and likes to uh, so the birds like to live in uh, in the facade yeah and is there one thing you hope to see in the near future that to see changing in the building sector? Yeah, I'm looking for more strict uh, legislation. To push also the more conservative? Yeah we, we need to push harder because uh, we know it can be done uh, at one point, I thought like, okay, we're developing our products, eh? make bio-based composites. And it, what if we have a product that would be as cheap and as good as the conventional product? Then I'm in business. Yeah. And we did. We made a product that was as cheap and as good or even better sometimes, or sometimes a bit more expensive, but a lot better. And so there is a market, but someone who has to build a building and is responsible for the building that is finished in time and uh, has uh, 20 years of guarantees, etc. cetera, uh, he has to take a risk because it's a new material, it's a new business partner, it's a new design, it's a new everything, uh, which is always a risk. Um, and why should he do it? Because it's just as good and just as expensive. So, so you need a stronger uh, push uh, towards sustainability. I think, and it can yeah. be from the hearts of the people giving uh, the, the 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 people uh, who ask uh, them to build the uh, buildings. Uh, so the, from the the, the client uh, perspective, but I think that legislation will help uh, also to change the playing field. Yeah, because we compete with systems that have been around for like a hundred years or so, uh, which have been optimized uh, all over these. Uh, and is there one? material that's uh, or one biocomposite uh, that you think that's has a lot of potential that's being used yeah, now so we are now working on three different biocomposites that are in potential 100% bio-based and have a lot of uh, and some of them have a high content of waste-based as well yeah sort of the holy grails of the materials eh? because it's and bio-based and waste-based so it's already made out of waste and if it's up to use also recyclable yeah. So that's uh, that's interesting uh, to see, and uh, so so the bio-based materials have a lot of potential because yeah. it's renewable. Yeah. It grows, you know, yeah. with sun and some water <laughs> and soil. Yeah. Yeah. So that. Uh, it's nice. Yeah. Is it uh, is it the solution you think for our carbon emissions or for our sustainability? Goals. Yeah, well, I think you need to save on materials as well, eh, because the environmental load is never zero. Because also being, yeah, so if we make a product out of waste, we still have to put in energy and effort to, to construct make, it, to construct it, and to make something out of it. So it's never zero. But uh, uh, yeah, we can make big differences in uh, making it lower uh, with a lower footprint. But I think if you want to go to a circular economy, if we talk about materials then I think you should have regrowing materials because uh, recycling is always ending. So you lose some material along the way. And so it's never 100%. Uh, 
A lot of materials are in the stock of buildings. Uh, so yeah, aluminium is recyclable, but mo we need more aluminium that is then is thrown away every year. So you need to have renewable uh, materials that grow to close the, the cycle. The yeah, so you said regrowable materials. Yeah, so, so, so bio-based, eh? so it grows. Flax, ham, straw, uh, paddy straw, rice, husk, uh, uh, yeah, you name it. Okay, cool. Um, thank you very much. You're welcome. This was the Gibble podcast with Mark Lepelaar. Read more about his projects on getinspiredbylight.com. On the next episode, I speak with Jan Berbey, owner of Grown Bio, a company that uses mycelium and plant-based waste to create a fully bio-based alternative for styrofoam. I think that at the stage where we are now in moving to a more bio-based building industry, it's too early to say that, uh, that mycelium is the solution, but it is absolutely a top X, a top five or top three, uh, let's say, player in the, in the solutions that exist. Get Inspired by Light is an initiative of Trilux, 